Hi everyone, I'm Dee. And I'm Alex. And together we're DNA. And you're listening to the DNA of Mindful Relationships podcast. Being mindful in a relationship is something to aspire to, but what does it actually mean? Well, I hope I know what it means because we've called our podcast show Mindful Relationships. But to make sure I know what it means, let's discuss it in this week's episode, Mindfulness Matters. Mindfulness Matters. Sounds impressive. What does it actually mean? I'm not sure. I think mindfulness means being present in the moment, being the opposite of mindless. Dee, help me out here. Mindlessness. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Well, yeah, mindfulness is really about uh, present moment awareness. And why is it so important? I guess that's what we're talking about today why we actually called our podcast the DNA of Mindful Relationships because like we mentioned maybe in the initial episodes, people are in relationships, they have relationships, but a mindful relationship's a whole different kettle of fish. Is that the right saying? <laughs> I believe so. It's a very smelly kitchen though. But... Yeah, I wouldn't want a kettle of fish in my kitchen. But what's 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 not a mindful relationship? What's a, what's a relationship mm. without mindfulness? I guess. Oh, okay. That's a really good uh, point to start on. Is it just pedestrian, like just going through the motions? Is that what it is? Well, in our previous episode, we talked about attachment styles. We talked about um, you know ways of behaving because we were brought up in a particular. A dynamic between our caregiver and ourselves and the mindlessness comes from uh, reacting automatic reactions to um, you know life situations external stimuli ah so am I guessing that running on autopilot would go some way towards being like an automaton in in a relationship yeah so a mindless relationship isn't about two people that have a low IQ. <laughs> it's really about two people that are essentially what you said on autopilot and reacting and responding as they would have, you know, when they were younger, possibly, um, and really just uh, reacting rather than uh, responding consciously and mindfully to the current situation. So this is why... Uh, we wanted to uh, talk about mindful relationships in a, you know, hope to help people become more conscious in their relationships, more aware of the often very simple techniques and, and methods and behaviors that can improve your relationship to bring about more happiness and joy and connection um, and, you know, bonding with your partner. Hmm. Definitely much better to be conscious in a relationship than using rohypnol. (laughs) (laughs) We're on the same path with that one. So what is mindfulness? It's It's really about having a present moment awareness as much as possible. We can't always be in the present moment at all times. 
that's a hard goal to achieve, but as much as possible. So if we think about um, our thoughts about the past, often our thoughts about the past, uh, we tend to dwell on things that we did or things that happened to us that um, we believe shouldn't have happened or things we should have said and done. Um, it often leaves us with a feeling of anger and resentment, uh, frustration, all those negative emotions. And we people that live in the past, people that dwell in the past, often end up feeling quite depressed and down and you know negative about life. Because they feel that that's something they could have changed and the moment's passed and they can't change it, it's yeah. gone. So that creates a feeling of stuckness. There's not much we can do about what's happened in the past. I get that sometimes you need to dwell on the past. I mean, dwell's not the right word, but sometimes you need to explore what's happened in the past so that you can move forward. Or revisit, but then come back into revisit, the present yeah. again. Mm. Just knock on the door, visit for a while, and then say goodbye and come back to the present. <laughs> no junk mail. <laughs> exactly. And then there are people that sometimes live in the future. And um, what I mean by that is... Are you talking about Elon Musk? <laughs> yes, no. it's turning into a sci-fi now. Um so people who worry about things that haven't happened yet. So what if, you know, I stood up in front of my peers and I said this and they all laughed at me? What if I, um, you know, don't make any money? What if I can't get the job that I really want to get? So these worries and stresses about things that haven't actually happened yet create a lot of anxiety. So often people oscillate from worrying about the future and things that haven't happened yet to going back into the past and worrying about and, and um, f- you know, feeling feelings of resentment and anger about things that have already happened that they can't do anything about. Mm. That's interesting because I would have thought a lot of people focus on the, the past as opposed to the future. But what you're saying makes perfect sense. The fear, fear of failure, fear of success, all those things that prevent a person from moving forward mm. in various aspects of their life and obviously the same applies to relationships. So exactly and uh, you know oscillating from from the past to the future from anger and resentment to anxiety and worry uh, you know creates a very stressful mind situation and a very stressful situation for the person and the 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 key to releasing yourself from that stress is being in the present moment. Mm. So that's a lot easier said than done. But the present moment is the only time we have control over. The only we don't have control over the past that's happened and done, done and dusted. We don't have really a lot of control over the future. I mean, we can plan for the future as best as we can, but we don't have control over what actually happens. Well, I guess it's the decisions that you make in the present that actually impact on the future anyway. That's correct. Mm. So really our energies need to go into the present moment because it's every little decision in the present moment that leads to whatever you want to achieve in the future. Mm. Um, so focusing on the present moment is really what mindfulness is about. Very simple when you say it that way. A lot harder to achieve. So in a relationship um, between, let's say, a couple, in terms of being mindful and present, what sorts of things are we talking about? Are we talking about, um, 
you know, sitting in front of the TV together? Are we talking about making plans? Are we talking about cooking dinner? What, what, what sorts of things impact a relationship in the way of being mindful? Well, I might get you to hold off on that question, Alex, until I talk a little bit more about mindfulness because it might help the next step of looking at how does being mindful in a relationship help our relationships. Okay. Okay, so I'll come back to that. So just take a note. I'll be mindful of that. (laughs) Uh, So uh, the basic – let's have a look at the basics of of a mindfulness practice because it does take practice. Our our minds uh, really um, evolve to focus on the negatives and the the possible perceived dangers. Um, So it's it's very hard for us to uh, just switch over to something positive. Um, all the time. So it is a practice we have to develop about the present moment and about, you know, positivity as well. So what a mindfulness practice does, it helps us put space between ourselves and our reactions um, and breaking down our conditioned responses because the conditioned responses are those things that we talked about, couples that are going through this mindless autopilot you know, life or relationship, and it's creating like a pause for ourselves, a pause between uh, how we're feeling and thinking and our responses to that moment. It's a pause button. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. little remote control. And the way that we do that is through our five senses. So the sense of sight, hearing, touch, smell, and taste. Now, some people will say that we have more than five senses. Bruce Willis did in The Sixth Sense. In The Sixth Sense, exactly. What a great movie. That was... Mm. Yes. Did you see the um, the twist coming? Uh, no. 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 We won't give it away in case someone still hasn't seen it. <laughs> and if they haven't seen it, then there's something wrong with it. <laughs> shouldn't say and that. And if you like that, go and watch The Crying Game. Oh, <laughs> There's a twist there. Mm. So, yeah, using our five senses, really how we get in touch with the present moment. So, um, the first step is really to observe the present moment. Uh, So, the aim of mindfulness is not to quieten the mind. A lot of people mistake mindfulness with meditation. So, where you're emptying the mind or quietening the mind, that's not what, what mindfulness is. There is a mindful meditation, it's connected, but it's not the same thing. Yep. So a meditation is a, is, is a separate practice. But mindfulness is, is a way of being that you don't need to sit and meditate and do the om or, um, you know, any formal practice as such. But a mindfulness is really about a way of being every day, every moment. So really, it's not about emptying the mind. It's The goal is simple. It's about paying attention to the present moment without judgment. Easier said than done mm. <laughs> because our brains are judging brains, constantly judging, evaluating every situation. So that's, that's why it's not as, as easy to do, but it is a practice that you can develop. And we're talking about being mindful in the present as a participant or as a witness to the present? Both. Hmm. So being able to be a witness to what's happening and then being able to participate and then be a witness 
and then participate and mm. then be a witness. That's the practice, essentially. Okay. Cool. Which, which sounds very esoteric, um, but it'll make more sense when we talk about mindful listening, perhaps, in, in a relationship. So the other thing about judgments, um, when we notice judgments arise, I mean, we will, our brains will just judge. It's, it's how it's wired, um, judge and evaluate. But rather than, um, you know, being negative about the fact that we're judging the situation is really just to notice the judgment. So a judgment might be, um, you know, I'm sitting here trying to be mindful and present and a judgment might be, uh, gee, it's really cold because it's really cold in this room. <laughs> um, so that's true, a fact for me. But it might be, oh, why why doesn't Alex turn the heating up? Uh, he doesn't like to turn the heating up. And then my mind goes into judgment as to why that is. That's just an example. And that's a hint, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Noted. But... Um, noticing the judgment is just by going, oh, okay, well, I, I made that comment about Alex and the heating. I'll just notice that. You make a mental note and then you pass, you let it pass. And then you, re- you return to the um, current moment. So it's about noticing your thoughts about the current situation, making a note of them, letting it pass, and then coming back to the present moment. And being kind to yourself as well, um, not judging yourself for having those kind of thoughts because, you know, our, when, when we do try and practice mindfulness or being in the present moment, often our minds will go a little bit crazy and the Buddhists call it the, um, having a monkey mind and um, a monkey mind sounds like this. So you're sitting and you're just trying to be observant of the present moment, observant of your thoughts and your feelings. And the monkey mind goes, hmm, it's very cold in here. Oh, getting a little bit hungry. Gee, I wonder what we're having for dinner. Oh, that reminds me. I must buy some um, food for, for dinner tomorrow night. Actually, I wouldn't mind going shopping to get some clothes. Oh, I saw these shoes that I really loved. I must go and get those shoes. Yeah, shoes are expensive these days. I don't know. It's not fair. Women get, often uh, get paid, uh, charged more for shoes. Hello, and come, back, goes and come go- back, come back, come back. <laughs> so that's the monkey mind. Mm. And I was just, I was being very kind to myself <laughs> with those examples. But the monkey mind um, can, you know, almost drive you crazy with those sort of thoughts. But noticing those thoughts and then coming back to the present moment is really what mindfulness is all about. Constantly bringing yourself back to the present moment without judgment, without questioning and just noticing. Gee, I didn't realize that I had that kind of thought. Just notice it. And then let it go. And then let it go. Mm. So um, you asked earlier, Alex, about... uh, you know, how, how does this help us in our relationships and how can we be mi- mindful in relationships? Well, really, it helps when we're talking and listening to our partner. What? Huh? What? We've done that joke before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just thought we'd repeat it again. 
Um, so being a good listener for your partner uh, is obviously very helpful because it helps your partner feel listened to and understood and heard. And we did cover that off in episode two when we yes. talked about listening, not just so that there's a gap where you can talk, but mm. genuinely listening and validating and acknowledging that you've heard correctly what your partner's had to yeah. say. And that, that means you have to be present for that. Exactly. And um, mindful listening is really about being able to reflect on how you're feeling about what you're hearing. So um, this is really key in relationships because autopilot um, makes it so that if I hear a word that triggers me, like uh, you might say a word like, I'm trying to think of an example and I can't think of one. Uh, you might say a word that really triggers me like um, oh, you're selfish or that's a selfish thing to do. You may not say you're selfish. And that might be a word that I've, you know, in my past, um, someone's labelled me that way and it's really hurt my feelings. So you've got a trigger so, and now you've got a response that's yeah. automatic. So all I hear is the, the trigger, the, the word or the label of you're selfish and I just want to get angry and respond back to you. No, I'm not. And defend myself or whatever. So mindfulness listening actually cuts through that and you're able to reflect on, oh, you know, he just mentioned the word selfish. I'm just feeling a bit hurt at the moment with that comment. Um, I'm just going to sit with that and listen to what else he has to say. So that, that really, that does take some work on yourself because you've got to train yourself to stop and catch it rather than just letting it go through and triggering that normal response that you would have to that um, trigger. Yeah, because when we're triggered, we want to react straight away. And there's a big difference between reacting and responding because I think you know, reaction is that autopilot reaction and responding is you make a choice of how you respond to that person. You know, mm. it's a conscious process. And I guess what we're talking about is being able to listen fully and openly and with empathy and understanding to your partner. And, you know, you note your own reactions to what they're saying. You make a mental note about um, thoughts, feelings, any judgments that you have about the person or about yourself, but then you return back to whatever your partner's saying and you're fully present to what they're saying. And the next step would be what we talked about in previous episodes to reflect back what you heard them say. Mm. So the mindful part is being aware of what they're saying and how it's triggering you. That's the difference. Yeah. Does perfect that make sense? sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we said that at the same time. Jinx. <laughs> so the mindful part is being able to reflect on how it's affecting you. And again, it be, you know comes back to that self-awareness uh, constantly in a relationship. It's not just about being aware and focusing on what the other person's saying and doing uh, because that's only one half of the relationship. You've got to be aware of what you're doing and how you're responding internally. And then, you know, at the end of reflecting back what you've heard, uh, to be able to clarify your understanding 
probe for more information. Is there more? You know, check in with your partner. And then maybe um, acknowledge, you know, what they've said. Acknowledging what someone has said is not agreeing with them. It's just acknowledging their statement and validating them. And then you you can have a discussion about your ideas and your feelings and your requests. So mindful listening, um, I guess it's the, uh, trying to think of a metaphor, it's, it's the glue that really keeps that bond and that connection going while you're talking through some difficult issues. Well, I guess it's also, it's adjusting your filters. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm getting information from you, if I have certain filters that are there, that have been there for, for as long as I can remember that are patterns and triggers, they're filters there that I guess if I was mindful, I could catch it and turn that filter off and say, that's something from my childhood, that's something I got triggered because this person always said I was such and such, and when you say it to me, even though you're meaning it quite differently and in a different context, I can choose not to trigger or be triggered in that same way that I once was and catch that. So that's, I guess, mindful listening. What What else can be mindful in a relationship besides listening? Obviously, when you're talking to someone, being respectful is important. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. But how can you convey or communicate your ideas across in a mindful way as well? Um, well, being able to reflect on the present moment situation, I guess... Um, Does that mean also contextually reading someone and just going, well, if someone's a bit upset... Being mindful probably means not just throwing something at them that I know might trigger them, but actually reading them and suggesting maybe I need to curb what I'm about to say in light of how I think it's going to be received by the other person. That would be mindful because I'm really thinking about how is that other person going to receive what I'm about to say. Mm. Yes, yeah, so if you if you imagine... The, when we're triggered or, or in our um, story and we're about to, you know, communicate something, we're in our heads. But if you can use your senses, and, and one of the senses is sight, to observe what's going on for your partner as you're telling whatever you need to share with them um, and notice the changes maybe in their facial expressions, little micro changes, um, sometimes a, a little giveaways. And, it, you know, to be able to say, I noticed that when I said that, you looked away. Or I noticed when I said that, you rolled your eyes. That's an obvious one. Um, to be able to highlight those observations in the conversation, I think, is important. Because you're talking about the process, not the content of what you're saying. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So another example might be... Um, you know, going back to a, a previous episode where we talked about, you know, waves and islands and anchors. And one of the worst things you can do with a wave person, and a wave person is someone who's insecure and has an insecure form of, you know, attachment with their, um, with their partners, is to look away when they're talking to you. And to be able to communicate that and say, I noticed that you looked away it kind of made me feel like you weren't listening. And that's a much more mindful conversation, if you like, 
than um, ignoring that and just continuing the conversation. Yeah, and I guess, look, with some people that might be fine to do. You might not want to do that with your boss and say, hey, I noticed you looked away when I was talking to you. Um, But you might want to actually just note that for yourself and decide, I might actually change the way I'm about to phrase what I'm about to say because I can see how it's about to be perceived on the receiving end. In a work situation, it's a little bit different, you're right, because you may not want to bring that up with a boss, but you might bring up your own observations with them, not necessarily about what your boss is doing or not doing, but you you might bring up, you know, I notice that I'm just feeling a bit uh, insecure about my contract and, um, you know, I need to talk about that with you. So you're just reflecting a, a little bit about your feeling in the moment about, you know, the contract and whether you have ongoing work for example, that's just using that as an example. But there are other things that you can do in your relationship to be mindful. You can practice mindful eating. Hmm. And yes, did, I said food. Did that spark your interest? It did. I'm, I'm very present now. <laughs> Talked about food. Uh, so mindful eating is really the same. It's about focusing on the sense of taste, obviously, smell, and you know, these days people love to take photos of their food and post them on the internet. Um, so, you know, how your food appears. But really savouring that experience and, you know, sharing that together. And that goes for, you know, um, any other experience that you have with your partner. Uh, you can be very mindful in that experience, whether it's going for a walk along the beach where, you know, you can talk about the feeling of the sand um, under your your feet, the soles of your feet, um, or the sun's ray, on, you know, on your skin, it's all about the sensations. Mm. Yeah, I can imagine in a situation where there's a couple and maybe one of them cooks most of the time, and it's very easy for a meal just to be something that you consume, and probably doesn't get much of a conversation about mm. it, and I guess to actually. Uh, acknowledge to your partner that, wow, that was an amazing meal and I can see the effort you put into that and it just tasted amazing, Mm. completely changes the dynamic from just a meal that you consume because it's dinner time and then you get on to sit in front of the TV or something. Yeah, and look, I guess the activity between intimate partners that um, mindfulness actually heightens the experience and intensifies the experience is sexual intimacy. So the best form of sexual intimacy is using a mindfulness practice, I guess, where you're focused completely on your your senses and not on, um, you know, the autopilot method of being sexually intimate. Well, the biggest sex organ is the brain, isn't it? Yes, that's what they say. Mm, <laughs> and the skin as well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, you know, that that's for another time, another podcast. I think it would be really good to talk about that. Not that I'm an expert in that area. And in fact, you know, we might actually bring somebody in to talk more in depth about that. But, you know, that is an area where we can be um, not as self-aware 
and, um, you know, go into that routine like you were describing making dinner and eating dinner, you know, sexual activity between uh, two partners can turn into a bit ho-hum routine. Ho-hum. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's uh, been very enlightening uh, and in a mindful kind of way. Um it enables us to see what we have right now and where we can make the most change in our life is in the present. And with that being said, we'll see you sometime in the future. <laughs> and right now, it's goodbye from Alex. Stay mindful. It's goodbye from Dee. Bye. Now, if you like this episode, you can find all our other episodes either on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Better still, subscribe and make sure you're the first to know when a new episode drops. You can also check us out at www.thednaofmindfulrelationships.com or on our Facebook page. We look forward to seeing you next time. And until then, stay mindful. Stay mindful.